thank you for joining us here on either the live stream or by viewing us on a couple of recordings here thereafter. We're very excited to bring this to you today. My name is Jeff Kellick. I'm the Chief Product Officer at Lensec. And along with me is Michael Trask. He's our Director of Sales. Say hi, Michael. How's, there, how's everyone doing today? Appreciate you taking the time to, to listen to us, uh, give you some information on Lensec and Perspective VMS. Yeah, we're very excited to talk a little bit about it. As, as you guys may know, a lot of people that are joining us on this uh, demonstration may have been planning to see us at ISC West in Las Vegas this week. We uh, were originally going to be there right at this time. Uh, the show, of course, was postponed, and we're looking now at a potential July date for that show. So if you do plan to still attend that show, we'll be happy to see you out there. We normally have a booth set up right in the main lobby area. So again, if you're coming out either this summer or maybe planning to, to wait until 2021 to head out to that show, we will be there. Uh, we also typically have a nice meeting suite uh, at the Venetian Hotel, and that's a great place for us to kind of sit down and go a little bit more in depth, maybe talk about some specific projects that you may be working on. The goal of our uh, demonstration here today is to really give an overview, a little bit about Lensec, a little bit about our background, if you're unfamiliar about, about Lensec, but also to talk about our flagship product, which is Perspective VMS, uh, video management software uh, for enterprise deployments, anywhere from a couple of cameras up to several or tens of thousands of cameras and devices. So we'll give a little bit of an overview there so you don't feel that you've totally missed out. And for those that are using this as a way to look at a little bit of professional development, a little bit of understanding about what products are on the market, and you may have some further follow-up questions, uh, both myself and Michael are always available uh, to reach out, reach out to our sales department, reach out to our, our technical team if you have some technical questions. Our website, as you'll see here in the background of one of my screens, is lensec, L-E-N-S-E-C dot com. And that'll be posted, of course. You can see it on our Facebook page and on our LinkedIn page too. So we'll be happy to talk with you, any questions that you have. And, and Michael and his team, Michael, you may want to talk just a little bit about the, uh, the, the regional management team. I know they're all keen to, to give demonstrations and to talk more specifically with partners and end users. If you would, just give a little background about the team for them, Michael. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. We have uh, regional sales managers spread throughout the U.S. as well as uh, international. Um, we are an international company headquartered in Houston. Uh, our global headquarters is in Houston, Texas. But we do have regional sales managers throughout the U.S. and throughout the other regions internationally. So we are available to all of our partners and uh, prospective end users as well that may be investigating a video management software to do uh, remote demos, uh, remote online meetings. Uh, we, we use a very simple process within uh, on our website. Uh, if you go to um, several areas within our website, you'll see the ability to reach out to the regional sales managers, and there'll be links to, their, to schedule uh, meetings through Calendly, directly from our uh, lensec.com website, to schedule those online meetings using some other tools we use, uh, Zoom meetings. Uh, similar to what Jeff and I are uh, doing today. We're doing this on Zoom and now bro broadcasting it through Zoom live onto uh, Facebook. So we are available for any any demonstrations or calls or questions you may have. 
Yeah, that's a great point, Michael. And and we were talking with some of our partners yesterday about that Calendly app, and, and we really like that. Our partners really like that because it gives you direct insight to easily schedule a demonstration with our team members. And we also understand that right now, uh, procurement may be up in the air. You may be unsure of what you're going to be doing this month, uh, but you know that you're going to be looking forward to opportunities later in the year, and you want to prepare. Uh, you know, we want to take advantage of the time that you have right now to learn, to educate yourself, to, to investigate different opportunities. And along with the demonstration that we're about to get into, uh, we're certainly available to talk about specifics. Uh, what is your application? What are you looking, what problems are you looking to solve? A lot of times when Michael and I sit in a room with, a, uh, with either a, a, a user, maybe a, a, a college, a university, a hospital, a city, municipal building, or, or one of our uh, value-added resellers, one of our integration partners, the first thing we'll do is we'll kind of ask what they're looking for in a solution. What problems are they trying to solve? So when we do one-on-one demonstrations, we're, we're very happy to get into those specifics. How are you trying to make your processes more efficient? How are you trying to make your facility more secure? Those are the types of things we want to learn. And then we can illustrate or demonstrate how perhaps we can help with that with perspective EMS. Yeah, Jeff, something I wanted to touch on before we get too far down the road, you mentioned about people maybe, you know, with now this being working remotely more, being more prevalent right now. Uh, we also, if you have time and you want to learn more about the product, for those people who are current end users of our solution and just want to increase their knowledge base or any of our value-added reseller partners, that may have some extra time on their hands now with schedules being a little in flux. Uh, wanna mention our Lensec Online Training Academy. It's another great tool that will allow uh, people to take advantage of maybe some downtime right now to further their knowledge, to learn a new you know, tip or trick that maybe they weren't aware of within the solution. Uh, and that is available, uh, you can find that just by going to lensec.com training. And when you're on that website, you'll see uh, at the bottom portion of that page is a link to go right into our Lensec Online Training Academy. I think it's a, it's a great tool with a lot of uh, information uh, that takes you through at a self-paced environment. So when you have some time and you have 20 minutes to squeeze in something or five minutes, you can start going through. And then obviously when you leave, you can come back and resume right where you left off. So you don't have to finish a lesson in order to you know, so if, you're, if your schedule allows you 10 minutes, jump on and do 10 minutes worth and then come back at a later date or time and pick up right where you left off. That's a great point. And, and I should mention, too, that that is also available uh, through a mobile app. Uh, so you can we work with a partner uh, called Dechibo uh, for our learning management system, and they have a great app on both the Play Store and on iOS called Go Learn from Dochibo, where you can enter just in, in our information and be able to use that application. Uh, so as Michael said, it's great on the fly, great as you're kind of doing some other things. And what we really like about it is it's not just a one and done type of lesson. It's something we like our partners to go back and use as a referential tool. So as you're working on the application or you're working on the installation, if you forgot something, you have that at your disposal to just run right back into and see either a video tutorial or a couple of notes on how to solve that particular problem. So I think, I think this is a good point, Michael, for us to go ahead and get into the product a little bit. 
So we've, we've talked here for a little bit of an introduction, about 10 minutes, kind of giving a little bit of background about Lensec. The last thing I'll say about Lensec as an organization, for those that don't know, we've been around since 1998. And uh, being around that long, we've, we've picked up a thing or two. Uh, we've learned a little bit about video surveillance. And that really is what we do. That's our focus. And so with that, we'll go ahead and we'll launch into the, uh, to the demonstration. Well, I really like Zoom because it gives us the opportunity to not only talk, um, you know, and, and have eye-to-eye -eye contact uh, with myself and Michael, but it also gives us the opportunity to share our screen. And so right now I'm, uh, I'm sharing our screen. I'm sharing my screen. I'm actually working on a laptop today, but I'm connecting directly into our Houston facility. So here we are at our Houston facility. We'll, we'll see a little bit of this. Obviously, our, most of our staff is practicing uh, social distancing at this point, and we have a very skeleton crew in the office. But we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through the, through the application. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to what we call a landing page. And this landing page shows us different modules within our application that we have accessible. I, you may have noticed I'm logged in this morning as myself. So I've connected into our site at demo.lensec.com, and I've logged in with my permissions. And when I say I've logged into to my, to our site, I'm using an internet browser to access Perspective EMS. Perspective EMS is a fully robust enterprise application. I mentioned earlier from a couple of cameras to tens of thousands of cameras that you can have throughout your site or hundreds of sites that are interconnected. So we've, de we've dealt with deployments that are uh, commercial in nature. We've dealt with uh, deployments in education and healthcare and also high-end government facilities that are ultra secure. The way that we do that is through a browser-based application. The nature of the browser-based application gives us a lot of flexibility in how this is deployed. We can launch this from any workstation on the network with your secure credentials. And yes, it does have Active Directory integration, so I can single sign-on depending on how I've logged into the site or to the secure VPN. It doesn't have to be uh, over the, the web. This one in particular is. We do allow our Houston demonstration site to be accessible uh, over the World Wide Web. So in this, in this facility it is, but Michael and I were talking uh, that most of our deployments, the storage, the web application, everything is on-premise, but you also have the option to operate it within the cloud itself. And Jeff, I think it's important to mention, we, we say we're completely written in HTML5 and we're accessing, uh, accessing this Houston site through the web. I think it's important because sometimes there is some confusion when you say, oh, you know, we're a completely browser-based system. A lot of people want to say, oh, well, our system has a browser application. I can go to the internet and do my thing. But typically in those instances, not all instances, but typically in a lot of those instances, what that still requires for the bar partner or the end user customer is they need to actually install some sort of client, uh, some sort of client on everyone's either laptop, desktop, or, you know, whatever their computer may be that you still need to, uh, IT needs to approve some additional application and then they need, they need, it needs to be installed on everyone's computer. And then you're clicking on that application in order to access your cameras remotely. So I think it's important to make that, dis that distin uh, distinguishing feature here is we're simply taking advantage of an application 
that already exists on everyone's phone, tablet, laptop, workstation, whatever computer they may be working, everyone has an internet browser within those devices already preloaded. It comes when you purchase it. So if it's Chrome or Firefox or Microsoft Edge or Safari, whatever it may be, those applications already have that, that, uh, that application is already on those devices. So it, it, it relieves the management of that and it makes the, uh, the updating process of the software so much easier because it's, it's installed on a server once and that's the only place then you need to go to go from one current version to the next updated version. And as soon as everyone signs on the next time by opening up their individual browser, and using their user credentials to sign in, they now are on the most recent version. That's to make that distinction. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and we're pretty proud of that. Uh, we're pretty proud of the fact that it is an HTML5 based application with no plugins. And as Michael uh, uh, very well put, it can be launched really on any workstation, gives you a lot of flexibility on how you use the application. I'm going to show a couple of things here about just basic navigation. You saw me clicking around there a little bit in the background as I've moved from module to module. I, it is a completely self-contained environment. There's no separate application that you're using to operate into administration, for example, or to view reports of your configuration or your health status. It's all within that browser, and it's all predicated on your permissions, what you have access to. Again, we have customers with tens of thousands of cameras but maybe a single login only has access to five of those cameras based on their permissions. So you can control this wholly from that permission set. I was using this top navigation bar to navigate around, and, and we've used that top navigation bar for a number of years because it's very familiar uh, for customers. So if I wanted to quickly jump into the maps module, just by clicking the map module at the top navigation bar, I'm immediately there into what we call our maps module. And I can, I can navigate around to different types of maps, different facilities, drill in and out of different types of areas and sites that, that we may have access to. But I can also very easily get back to the camera viewer just by clicking that camera viewer on the top navigation bar and see the cameras or the video devices that we have access to. Uh, so one of the things that we really strive for in our adoption process, the training process of our end users, is letting them know that learning the software is easy and you're not gonna break it. The other thing we want you to know is, based on this top navigation bar and, and able to move around, you're probably not gonna get lost in the software either. If you say, oh, I just wanna get back to where I was, I was in the maps view, I wanna see that again, you can just click the maps module on that top navigation bar. And that's gonna take you right back to that maps module. Okay. Um, and then another thing I wanna, go ahead, Michael. I was just gonna say, it's important the way that's laid out, cause you're, you're actually have multiple tabs on your internet open right now. You have prospective EMS open and you have Linsec. So it's it just, we're not reinventing the wheel here. People are used to having multiple internet pages open. So they have tab structure already kind of, it's, it's a familiar day-to-day -day operation for them. So that's what we have this structure set up. And if Jeff takes this full screen, um, it'll, then you'll, all you'll see across the top is that top navigation bar. And then you, that's, that's all that will, um, using the hand, yeah, the hamburger uh, version through the um, Chrome to take that full screen. Then then you, that's all you see. So that becomes your, your all of your different tabs on the internet. Um, 
to bounce back and forth between. That's right. That's right. And, and a lot of times when, when customers are used to a console type view of a thick client, they may say, I don't want to see that browser bar. And Michael's exactly right. We can take that full screen and you can really get that feel. It, it takes up your entire view. But at the same time, you have this flexibility to open this up in multiple tabs. So if you do have multiple monitors, you can take this and you can move it over to another screen, another monitor. And you can even browse different modules within those different tabs. So here on this one here, I've got the Maps module. Over here, I've got the Camera Viewer. And that, again, gives a lot of flexibility, particularly when we have a lot of security operation centers that work and have multiple monitors up on the screen. So having that flexibility is really crucial, too. I, another thing that I really like about navigating through our software, uh, the top navigation bar is great. It gives you a lot of flexibility how you can move between the different modules. Uh, but also is this ability for global search. And anybody that sat in one of our trainings, we one of the quiz questions is, what is Jeff's favorite feature? And, and Michael, what is my favorite feature? Global search. Global search, that's right. The reason I like global search so much, it is just a quick, natural, intuitive way to get around the system. If I wanted to look for conference room and I didn't know which camera it was or I didn't know that the conference room was sitting up here uh, because I'm new to the facility or new to the site, I can just go to global search and I can just start typing and it's going to bring up all the results that have conference in the name. And just with one click, I can go ahead and take myself directly to that conference room camera. That global search also has the ability to persist to stay on the top. So if I wanted to use this little push pin and hold this down, and I wanted to search for all the cameras at a Briar Park facility, I could immediately see all of those cameras using this global search and quickly navigate through them. Again, I don't need much training. I don't need much introduction other than to say, use the global search, and from there, we can start seeing facilities. So maybe I wanted to see a map of the continental United States. I know that we have a map that's called continental United States, and we can pull that up, or even just United States, and I can start pulling up that map view, and now I can see the United States from a map view. So that global search becomes really powerful tool, a powerful tool for us to train new users, for them to quickly acclimate, and not only new users of the system, but I should also say first responders first responders accessing the system as well. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. They're unfamiliar with the environment. But if you tell them, hey, if you just bring up the first floor, they can go to that global search, type first floor, and immediately navigate to the first floor of the facility to see live situational awareness. It's at this point, I guess I'll, uh, I'll give a little bit of overview of this maps module before I turn it over and have Michael talk a little bit about the camera viewer. But since we're here on the maps module, a little bit of background, our first product that we introduced in the early 2000s was built around this idea of having a map-based or a floor plan-based interface with camera devices on that interface that a user could hover over and immediately become situationally aware, meaning they could see the floor plan, they could see the layout of the facility, and then they could see the camera views that looked down the hallway or down the view of that facility. So this idea of a maps-based interface has been with us since 2003. 
When we launched Perspective in 2011, there's a, a quiz answer for you in the training, by the way, if you take our online training. We launched Perspective in 2011. So this is a, a well a well mature product. It has been in thousands of sites across the world uh, over that time. So we've really learned a lot of lessons and built this product up. We are an agile company, so we develop and release new releases uh, four to five times a year. So it, it grows along with us. It evolves along with us. But when we, uh, we first launched that, we brought this maps-based interface with us. And our users gave us a lot of good feedback. A lot of what we do is based on the feedback that we get from our users. And they said, well, this is great. I can see that camera view when I hover over it. I can see that front door. But I'd like to be able to see that view and this view at the same time. And so we came up with this concept, we call it the camera dock, where you can just simply drag cameras into this dock while at the same time keeping that map view up to give you real situational awareness of that facility, but seeing multiple cameras at one time. You can even bring all the cameras down if you choose to. You can add all the cameras or you can pick and choose the different cameras you want to see. And of course, we want to maintain our, our browser friendliness, the, the ability to, to drag and drop cameras into different views. Another thing, Michael, that, that we like to show a lot is this integration with access control and the ability from this map uh, container, and, and Michael will show you too in the camera viewer as well, to lock and unlock doors directly from that site. So if I'm looking here, and right now we're running a skeleton crew in our offices, so we may want to lock our front door. We can do that right from this interface remotely. I'm here in Pittsburgh, Michael's in Pittsburgh, yet we can lock that door in our Houston office directly based on our permissions that we're logged into this site. And we can see that directly from this camera view, so we know if anybody needs to come in, maybe a delivery personnel or so forth. The last thing I'll say about the, uh, last thing I'll say about the maps here is that really it's any type of map that you would like to bring in. This is a map that, that was built around a fire evacuation plan. You saw a map here that is based on a time zone map of all sites all over the world, whether it's the Middle East or up in Canada or here in the continental United States. And you can bring in different types of maps, whether they're more uh, geographic in nature, more political in nature. Uh, we even have uh, one map facility that's based on, uh, in our demo, that's based on a bunch of facilities here because they're a property management firm and they like to see the different buildings that they own. And from there, they want to drill into the specific sites. And on all of these sites, you can intermix different assets, different camera objects, and drill into other floor plans of that area. So the maps should be viewed as, it's great if you have a single facility, just to give you a floor plan, but if you also have facilities all over the world or all over the region or all over the city, you can bring multiple facilities into that maps module. So with that, I will, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Michael and I'm gonna open these cameras right here, these three cameras into what we call our camera viewer. And I'll let Michael speak a little bit about the camera viewer. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so I'm going to uh, just take a few minutes, our next module, the camera viewer module. And you know, what we have here, uh, let me just make sure I have the uh, uh, control of the uh, Jeff's screen, which I do. So. We've got a three screen, um, three camera layout here. So that's what you're seeing here in the upper right hand corner. If I wanted to, uh, once again, we're browser based, but just because I'm browser based doesn't mean I'm losing any functionality. I can grab a camera and drag it over and swap it with other cameras and you'll see how 
easily that uh, that is happening throughout. Just a couple things within um, just the general camera viewer, which most people are are used to seeing. We've got select presets, so if you if you want to set any kind of a a particular preset um, that you have a saved saved layouts, those are here in the bottom, and then course uh, you can like everything within our software I'd be able to search that if I was looking for a particular preset to, to, to get to that more easily we also have this select sequencing um, so the sequencing a lot of people would refer to that as video guard tours so maybe sitting on this three camera view for five or six seconds and then because it's running a sequence it'll switch to another pre-selected view with a certain camera layout and stay on that for a a desired uh, predetermined length of time. So that that's that's already that's in here. What most people are used to seeing, um, kind of standard things within a camera viewer. Uh, a little different up here in the right hand corner, you'll see this uh, image that mimics uh, the layout that you're seeing on the screen. So when we pull that up, this is where we have more of our common layouts, commonly used layouts. But they're also, for ease of use, broken down by aspect ratio. So you'll see this first group, 4-3. You'll see this other group, 16-9, and so on. So those are um, some, some, you know, the, the way the system would work. If I wanted to go maybe to a two-up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to automatically just drop the last one going clockwise on that view. But if I wanted to, let's say, go to a three-camera up, and I select this module here, well, this what the system does for us is it takes you to this uh, to this screen pulls you up here because obviously the VMS has it can't read your mind at least in today's world it can't. We're so working on it. Has, We're working it, on it. it has it has no idea what what other camera that you want to have uh, on your layout. So there's a couple options. Uh, two that I like to use is the map view, and from the map view, it's going to show you the last map that you were just on. Or I could switch that and I could go back to the uh, Briar Park map. But then I'd be able to drag and drop from, uh, let's go back here, we can just, these are the same icons that were used um, when you were in the map module. So you can do that right here and switch. You can drag and drop a camera and pull it over there. We also, direct, without even changing to the list view, right up here at the top, you can just start typing. So if I'm looking, for example, for the front entrance, I just start typing front entrance, there's that camera. But I already have the cam that camera in there because it's highlighted in blue. So I don't want to bring that back in. Let me see. I want the uh, I'm going to do the break room. So I'm going to just start typing in. And quickly, there's that break room. I can double click it, and it'll fill that spot. Or I could drag and drop that over. I'm just going to hit create, and that's how quickly and easily I was able to to change uh, my camera layout. I'm going to go back down to just a two up view here as Shirley walks down the. Uh, down the office hallway there. But I'm just going to go back to a two-up view. I want to show you a couple other uh, quick things in here uh, related to camera viewer. You'll notice this is a picture of the, uh, the front entrance coming from the building lobby into our office of the first floor. You'll notice down here is a door control. This is the second place where you're going to see that access control bidirectional integration. So I click on that icon there. And because they're the main entrance, as well as the storage room, which is this door over here to the left, both of these doors can be controlled from this camera view. So 
Jeff calls me. He's coming in early. The system's already locked down. He forgot his badge. He can't get in. He calls me from on his cell phone from, from Houston. I answer in Pittsburgh. I sign in quickly, and I can unlock that door. So this is permanently unlocked, permanently locked, or in this example, I would just temporarily pulse that door, which is the equivalent of someone uh, presenting their credentials at the uh, card reader. So the door will lock once it closes again. So I can that's do that right from here. That's a great point, Michael. And I just wanted to, I just not that I would ever forget my badge, but it, it brings up a good point as well that users that have access to the system can also use their mobile device. Because this is a browser-based application, you can bring it up directly on your mobile device and access the system lock on lock doors directly from there too. We even have purpose-built Android and iOS applications but just the flexibility of bringing up in a browser and being able to work with those controls is phenomenal. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, and since the software is all user permission-based, I mean, an example of that is, it's also based on what is available. So uh, let me get caught up with this rewinding of that, uh, zooming back out on there, but um, over here on this camera, you see there's no door associated with this camera view. So that icon does not show up down here. So once again, it doesn't want to create any confusion. Uh, we don't want to, um, you know, we started as an integrator over 20 years ago, as Jeff talked about earlier. So we learned a lot of lessons. And one of those lessons, we did not want to have anybody, you know, we, you want to eliminate unnecessary calls coming in that take time and resource. And one of those might be that someone's clicking on a button and it's not working, so they think their software is broken. Well, in reality, they don't have access to that function. So we learned early on in the development of our software, instead of graying things out, uh, we just got rid of them altogether. If you don't have permission to use that feature, then it's not gonna show up. And this, even though this does not have a door associated with it, imagine this was me looking at the main lobby and I did not have permission to access and unlock doors when I signed in and was looking at the front entrance lobby, this is what I would see right here. I wouldn't see that door icon because my permissions wouldn't allow me to do anything. The other part of that is uh, if I do have permissions, but maybe Jeff has decided he doesn't want to give me permission to permanently unlock or permanently lock the door, but he does want to give me permissions to just pulse that door. When I click on main entrance, there would just be one line item under there, one line item, and it will say pulse. So as far as I'm concerned, when I use the PVM Perspective VMS system, I, that's all I think it does, is that you have the ability to temporarily pulse the door because it doesn't even show up for me. So it eliminates a lot of those unnecessary um, questions that maybe get called from the end user to the integrator, or if you're internal, you know, you're the end user and you're the administrator in, uh, in the uh, end user's office, maybe you're getting calls internally from your staff that they're confused about things. So it helps all around to eliminate, uh, you know, questions like that. That's right. Um, and that's, that's one of the, you know, we talk about productivity and efficiency from an application standpoint. It, it goes beyond just the way that you move controls. It goes about uh, who's going to be calling you, who's going to be asking for support. And the more tools that we can give, to make it more natural, more intuitive, or less confusing or less ambiguous, the more efficient you and your staff can be with that. That's a great point, Michael. Yeah, I wanna show you some other little quick things that are in here. So we're looking at a live view. And once again, we haven't mentioned this, but you'll see this arrow in the upper right-hand corner. It's a green arrow. Uh, that means you are watching live. 
so if I hit over here, let me go back over here into this room. And if I hit this, this uh, archive or the, the playing controls and it brings up this screen here, I can immediately start rewinding from here. And when I do that and I pause that, you'll notice that that is now amber. It's not, it, well, it's a pause symbol, first of all. So that should be a, a big red flag, but it's amber. It's no longer green. But since I rewound and I hit play, when I hit play, notice it stayed amber because that is not live. That is playing video, but it is not live video. That's a very important distinction um, when, when you know, you're in our system. If you don't see a green arrow, you are not looking at live video. It may only be a second or two behind, but it's not live. So uh, that that is that does come into play with situation awareness, or you have you know you have events going on, critical events going on, whether they're maybe an active shooter or some sort of situation like that. You want to make sure that your first responders who may be looking at video are giving accurate, up to the second information to other uh, first responders so they can act accordingly. Um, some other uh, tool I wanted to show you on one of these secondary uh, when I put that. Um, click on that player uh, to get to the controls. You'll see this box here. I'm gonna click this square box. We call it our fast find search. So maybe I'm interested in finding out, hey, how many times are people using the coffee machine this morning or what's going on? Just draw a small little box there. I'm gonna select medium sensitivity and then I'm gonna hit this rewind button. What this is gonna do is it's gonna start going back from that point back in your archives and it's going to pull all the times that there was motion through that, that area. And it's going to continue to go back until it gets to the end of your archive. So I believe we have about 20-some days archived in our, um, this demo in Houston. So if I let this sit in here and run, it's just going to continue to run back through. Or once I scroll down through and I see I'm at, I've gone far enough back where I want to be, I can just hit stop. But I can then grab any of those, drag them over, uh, start watching that video play. So there we see one of our employees using the coffee brick. And I can play those right from here, or maybe I just want to kind of click through them and, and kind of just see the different different videos. Uh, and I can I can grab those. But they're all the different times, and they're, short, they're going to be short little video clips. And we call that our fast find search. That also is handy if, you know, in, you can do that in archive too. It doesn't have to be straight from live, but if you're watching a video, you know, sometimes school resource officers get calls and say, hey, someone stole my phone from the from the cafeteria. Or, you know, that may be an example. So what you can say is, all right, well, where were you? Oh, I was sitting at this table. And when did it happen? Ten minutes ago. Quickly go back ten minutes. You see there's the phone sitting on the table. Draw a real small box around that phone. But instead of going backwards in the archives, now you're moving forward in the archives. And you'll see right from that point moving forward, anyone who went either over that phone or maybe picked up that phone. And then you can say, all right, there's the person who grabbed that phone. And from there, you can say, maybe I see that person. I can just say, all right, there they are. Hit the snapshot button, hit send email. And I can share that with anyone inside your, your system or even an external, an external email and send that off. So that's a nice yeah, and Michael, you had a you had a, a very time appropriate example of this earlier in the week, where somebody, one of our customers, needed to leverage a real fast way to see uh, where somebody that that maybe was infected with a uh, uh, with the with the COVID nineteen 
what they touched and who touched that same uh, that same area after they did to be able to warn them of, of possible transmission. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we do have to look at. And this fast find tool is just a way to help you again, be more efficient with that. As Michael said, when you're, when you're scanning through here and you're picking up that information, um, you can now not only get the, not only get to this information of, of here, we've got somebody in the clip, but from there, as Michael alluded to, you can play that back right there and you can even fast forward on that and find anybody else that touched that thereafter. And I'll show that a little bit in the archive view as well, but um, a very pertinent example of, of where we are in a security surveillance situation where we need to be aware from a public health standpoint. Yeah, that's correct, Jeff. And it just it's just using tools that are already um, available to everybody within the system. Uh, since we're doing this here, and, and this is probably pretty common, but as you notice, we've got this camera view and we were rewinding a camera view over here and now we're watching it live over here. So you can have multiple views of the same camera up. So, you know, in the case of maybe you wanted to find out what was going on with the scenario, maybe there was a fender bender in the parking lot and this is an exterior camera. Well, you may want to keep an eye on the, the people that are involved in that action, but maybe you want to start rewinding that camera as well and start seeing, okay, well, what actually happened? Who hit who? Who was at fault here? But, you know, sometimes people don't have the, you know, if they get into an accident, they may get out of their car in an agitated state. And you want to keep an eye on that to make sure nothing else, uh, nothing else happens. Um, one other thing I will show you within the uh, camera viewer before I uh, turn this back over to Jeff. But um, within the camera viewer, too, from this settings tab, again, hit settings. And then you notice this, uh, this wrench and this screwdriver here. I can click this button and what it's going to do, it's a, it's a shortcut for me. If I'm installing or I have issues maybe with that camera and I want to investigate them, it's going to launch me right over to our administration section of our, our software. It's going to take me right to the camera section. But most importantly, it's going to launch me right into the administration of that break room camera that I was just dealing with and all of the different information that is, you know, that we, you could go in and, and make changes and settings to, all of that information is right there, including some pretty neat things where, you know, if you've just installed a camera and, and you want to test, is the camera snapshot working? Is the live stream working? Is it archiving properly? You know, there's some really cool features in here that we can dive into at a different date and time with you. But just wanted to show that as well. Um, how, you know, there's shortcuts right from the camera viewer app when you're viewing a camera um, where you can jump into the um, the administration of that camera. Jeff, I'll go ahead and change this camera to a different camera and then you can, uh, you can uh, go out and do what uh, you want to do as far as the um, picking up with the, uh, the archives. Sure. Yeah, so the... Uh the uh, oops. Nope. Okay. I'll, go ahead. I'll give it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and what Michael just described is my second favorite feature. And and the reason why it's my second favorite feature, obviously, in in system design, we do a lot of work in that administration. And being able to jump back and forth between administration, uh, do those tests that Michael just showed, maybe make a tweak in the uh, in the name of the camera that you needed to make, maybe make a tweak in in the, uh, the motion sensitivity or whatever you want to do, and then to be able to go right back live to that camera. Uh, those functionality, uh, 
again, making it more efficient, not only for the everyday user, but also for the installer, the person that's configuring that camera, the person that's working with that camera. Uh, those are lessons we've picked up over time too. And, and that's why I really like a lot. It's a very simple thing. So is global search really, but they're things to make life easier, to make things more efficient for the customer. Hey Jeff, can you show real quick before we jump out of here? I didn't mention the uh, view neighboring, and it just when I saw you hover over that camera, can you just show that real quick? Yeah, that's that's one of our that's one of our whole team's favorite features as well is the ability just from this view. If we see uh, somebody that's coming in here and we want to follow them around with one click, we can see all of the corresponding cameras that are there, and we can even go and follow that around, just, just keep following that around. Maybe they walked into the break room. Where could they go from the break room? Oh, they could come out and go down this hallway. Well, where could they go from there? And you can just keep using that, that neighboring camera aspect to follow them back and forth. Maybe they walk back and forth the facility, maybe they come back out. And just that neighboring camera is a real quick, nice and easy shortcut for your operators to follow people around the facility. So the, uh, the next thing that I want to show is I'm just going to start by just a one-up view here, and I'm going to navigate into uh, what we call our archives view. For those who aren't aware, archives are our term for recordings. Since everything that's coming across is video data, we use the terminology archives. And so if I look here, Michael illustrated very well that we can rewind video directly from the live view. So now I'm starting to go backwards here. I'm rewinding. I see one of our, one of our colleagues, Mark, in there waving at us. Um, right on cue there, Mark. I really appreciate that. And so I can rewind that video to come out. That's great. And, and that's a wonderful thing. Michael also showed FastFind. But for a little bit more forensic search, we have something we call uh, the archive viewer. And so as I open up the archive viewer, I can now see that same camera view but down at the bottom, in our control panel at the bottom, there's now a timeline. And this timeline is very critical when we're searching for information uh, over a larger period of time. We want to be able to scan back and forth. And we wanted to make a really interactive control. So you can see here, I'm manipulating this, this time slider here. I'm going and I'm seeing different events that come up. And from there, I can go ahead and hit play. And now I can see that event uh, as we have somebody coming in that front door. Not only can I see that from this period of time, but we can use a calendar and a date time picker to go backwards in time. So I want to go back here to last week, last Thursday. I'm looking at this over a 12-hour interval. Maybe I want to look at it from an entire day standpoint, and I'm going to start at 4 a.m. You can see over here, I'm starting at 4 a.m. I'm going for 24 hours. That builds this timeline down here at the bottom. And this timeline down at the bottom then allows me to slide my viewer over those areas that are marked blue. In this particular camera, we're recording on motion. So I can see the different times that there's motion. And I, from a forensic standpoint, it's also good to know, hey, when wasn't there motion? When were there gaps? When was, when was nothing happening in that particular area? So that's very important too. And you can even see as I, as I hover over with my mouse, I can see different types of thumbnails that appear to show that motion. And once you click on that, once you find an area of interest, you can click play and it'll bring that video up that time. So you can see we're here March 12th at 2.38 p.m. And from there, we can start rewinding. Another thing that we can do right from here, Michael showed you fast find from the live view. And Michael showed, hey, we can, we can take this. We can see who touched the coffee pot from today backwards. 
We can also go and do the inverse. I can jump all the way back here. Let's jump back to March 4th. And let's, let's go ahead and hit play here on March 4th. And I want to know everybody who came in that door after March 4th. So now I can draw the box around this area of interest and I can go forward in time. And this is going to start bringing results after March 4th at 1041 AM. So it becomes very pertinent as we drag this in here, we can see different people coming through and we can play back that video from March 4th onward. So when you know there was something that happened, maybe an incident changed, maybe a door became unlocked, or maybe a, a window was broken into, or the wind blew a, a door open, you can then say from that point on, were we vulnerable? Did anybody come in? Did anybody break in after that point, after that incident? And so you can even build that. You may get a report that said, hey, we had, a, we had an intrusion detection at 3 a.m. You can go ahead and put that directly in. 3 a.m. is the time that I want to look at. And now I want to refresh my timeline and see everything after 3 a.m. And I know nothing happened after 3 a.m. Until, until this point in, in the day. That's when the lights changed in this particular scenario at 520. So I know from three until 520, there was really nothing that happened there. And then you can fast forward through the rest of the day from there. So a really great tool, this, this, archive, this archive playback, and it's not just one camera. So I'm looking at one camera now, but I'll go ahead and bring back up that select switch camera screen, and I'm gonna bring in other cameras that are related. Michael was showing too that you don't necessarily have to bring it from list view. You could bring it directly from the map view. So if I wanted to bring back to that first floor of Briar Park, I can bring that map back up. And this is really nice because I know that I'm looking at this camera here. I want to look at the camera adjacent to it. So I'm going to bring that camera in and I want to look at them side by side. So you can even change this view with inside of this, uh, with inside of the select switch camera control to bring both cameras up at the same time. And now you can see those two views uh, side by side, seeing where there's activity at one but not at the other. And you can kind of follow that through uh, the whole way. If I didn't want this camera, maybe I wanted the break room. Again, I can do those same type of controls to bring now the break room camera into play and see when we have activity in the break room versus when we have it in the front entrance. So a lot of scenarios that can be built there, but the core is, or the key uh, piece of information, this is a forensic view. It gives you more data to work with uh, through this, this archive playback. And, and with that, now I'll kind of move over and I'll just mention here briefly as I'm gonna turn it back over to Michael, I just opened up the side panel. The side panel is a great piece of information in and of itself. There's lots of things that you can do from the side panel, but it too is permission-based. I mentioned about the archives that I can see all this historic video, but you can limit that based on permissions. So you may have users or operators that you just wanna look live. They won't even see this archive module. And the same thing goes for this side panel on the right. This is a lot of information here on the right that Michael's gonna speak about, but you can pull this information away if you don't wanna give certain people access to it as to not kind of confuse or overwhelm them, um, or just from a, a standard good practices permission base, you wanna keep some of that information more towards a higher level user or operator. So with that, Michael, I'll turn it over and let you talk a little bit about the side panel. Thanks, Jeff. So our side panel is, uh, as you can see, is broken up in between our uh, actions and events panel. So uh, I'll, I'll actually show one of these items here quickly that 
since Jeff was just reviewing some certain cameras and he's got this camera's at a certain time, this one's at a different time, and he's in the archive player. One of the neat features that's part of this actions and events panel, it's a great collaboration tool, it's called ShareView. So I click this share view, and what it what it's gonna pull up is this window, and it looks like maybe it just did a screenshot. Well, it it's a screen grab, but more importantly what it is, is when I now send this to Jeff Kellick, or he sends it to me, you know, just type in who you're sending it to, give it a um, subject matter, a priority level, and a message, and then more importantly too, down here you see prompt share view immediately. So if I was researching something, and I wanted to share it with uh, Jeff Kellick and wanted him, I, want, I could force it up on his screen without, it'll change his interface and automatically it's gonna pull up on my screen. So share, you can do that with ShareView, you can do that with a particular camera, you can do that with all kinds of items within, within the software, but I could also just have it uh, prompt to navigate so a little window will pop up on his screen that says, Michael Trask is sharing a view with you, would you like to look at it? He either you know, selects yes or no to, to look at it. But I create that, but more importantly about that share view is now when it comes to Jeff, if I'm doing an investigation and I already have, you know, maybe I've got multiple views up and I've got certain, you know, I have Shirley in here doing something with the coffee machine and then I got her coming in the door at three in the morning and maybe on a third window I have her, you know, doing something else mischievous and I did that investigation and I have it all ready to go. And I want to say, hey, Jeff, here's where I think what we need to look at. And I share that with Jeff. When he opens it up, everything's right where he needs to be. He just picks up and either starts rewinding that screen or fast forwarding it or just playing it to right where I set it for him. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice uh, collaboration tool, especially during investigations or, or other, other items such as that. Um, some other things on the actions and events panel over here, you will see uh, we've got the door. So I just wanna pull up, this is a third location where the access control information is gonna come in handy. So you'll see that side tray opened up and it's gonna take a second to pull all these transactional logs in from the Houston office, but momentarily they'll pull up. And then what we have is what people are used to probably seeing with an access control integration, where all of the individual um, transactions, the card person who was used, the date, the time, the camera, and the corresponding video that, that matches up with that transaction. So you can also filter all of that information. Uh, maybe you want to come over here and say, uh, let me just see who the main entrance was, and maybe I want to filter any time that, um, I'll, we'll just go ahead and use Mark. So I'll search on Mark, and I'll hit filter. So now based by default, it's set for the last month, I think. Maybe I kind of hard seeing that uh, from 218 to 318. So there's three results that came back with Mark using his card when the when the when the door was locked, because we're on a schedule. So from a certain time of the day till the end of the day, our front entrance door is open for people to walk in our lobby. But these are those results, and then you'd be able to play, select those and play those videos. Uh, I'll do another search real quick. Um, for someone who maybe comes in a little more, a little earlier in the morning. So we'll do another quick filter and we'll change that from Mark. Uh, let's go to, uh, we'll do Doris and see what results we get there. 
So as you can see, there's a lot more transactions here uh, for uh, our employee Doris uh, at the office. But uh, and then you've got the appropriate information over here. You've got all of the information that's pulling from the access uh, log system. And if I scroll over here and hit this show button, uh, it gives you all of those details and all this information can be sorted on and, and searched on as well. So maybe you only have a card number, you don't know who it's assigned to. You can sort, uh, do a, a search by that card number and filter that out. So you can also view that right here, like a lot of things in our software, you can you know, make that a little bit bigger. But if that wasn't big enough for you and you wanted to see that full screen, you just would hit the view archive, view and archives over here. And it's going to pull that into the archive player and you can watch that within the archive player as well. So and you can that's, play that directly from there too. Yes, well. right from here. Correct. Yep. What's nice is with that detail that's coming in, this is an integration with an access control uh, provider and the access control provider provides all of that detail information. So you don't have to double configure that information inside a perspective. If it's already in access control, it will automatically pull that information across. And so you're not doing double the work by trying to enroll card holders or anything like that. That's already done within your access control system. Something else we didn't touch on this, this feature tagging stuff within our software is available in the camera viewer, in the archive player, no matter where you are, if you're watching video, you would see the ability, this, this little tag, it looks like a, you know, like a, a Christmas present tag or a birthday present tag or whatever, just a name tag. You can tag that maybe, maybe I want to, you know, I want to tag this for, for Doris, uh, you know, entrance, just a little, uh, a little note there. And then I can select this by a category and I can assign it a particular category. Maybe it was suspicious behavior. Maybe she was coming in at four in the morning. Well, then I, I create that tag. And then getting back to Jeff's favorite feature. So if I create this tag and I called it Doris Entrance, um, now this video clip is tagged for you know quick retrieval. Using Jeff's glo uh, global search feature, now I start typing in Doris. And once again, it only needs three letters, but I start typing in Doris and you see there's a tag item there and I'll open that up, Doris entrance. So right there for future reference, you know, later, I would be able to look for that quickly and then pull that up and start playing that. You can tag things when you're watching them live. You can tag things when they're an archive video. So that's just something, you know, we kind of, you know, didn't mention, but it, I saw the tag here and it, run, it reminded me to maybe show that quick feature. Um, yeah, and a, lot, a lot of times we work with police departments quite a bit and a lot of times what they'll have for their tags will be certain codes and a code will be maybe a, an accident, a fender bender, something like that at a facility. So they'll use that for evidence retrieval. And we didn't mention in the archives, I think you'll get to it when we talk a little bit about extractions. Yeah, so we're in the archive player here. So maybe um, that's the next Next thing I was going to show, so maybe I want to do and I want to download this or this so I can extract this. So this is a video clip and it's going to pull up my information and I'll be able to, to give it a name and a description and the video quality and all of that type of information here. Right. So then I'll create when I would save that, it's going to create that uh, image extraction. So we're extracting it out of the normal 30, 60, 90, whatever your re video retention goal is. So I'm pulling that out. 
Well, then those image extractions will show up in your image, uh, the, the side tray that down here for image extractions. So it's going to pull up all of the image extractions that you have, and you'll you know, filter back through those and find those uh, videos. But then let's say I, I found the one I want, and well, I want to download it. So I go ahead and download that. And so it's now downloading on Jeff's computer uh, down here on his bottom bar. And that just goes like any other download you do on your computer, it goes into your downloads folder. So you then can open that up within your downloads folder. That video clip is there. It is an MP4 file format. So if I open this up and just say show in folder, you're going to see it's going to pop up on from Jeff's computer here. It's going to pop up a folder or maybe it popped up on a different screen and I'll need him to pull it over. But um, there's that folder right there. And then you can just double click that plate. It's going to just play automatically in whatever the default Windows Media Player is within your uh, within your your computer, your operating system that you're using. You don't need any. It's not proprietary. You don't need any proprietary uh, proprietary player of any sort. So that would that would be there. And those those once you extract the images, they're here. Then they show you know so they show up in here, and then you go find it and you just download it as simply like I what I just did. Yeah, just just from a put a fine point on that um, archives in our system. And I know we're we're close to the hour. We're going to go a little bit long, so stay with us if you if you if you'd like to. Um, archives are retained in your system for a set duration, sometimes fourteen days, sometimes thirty days. These extractions, this evidence, this stays in your system until your authorized personnel deletes it. It could be a year, it could be five years, it could be for the life of your system. So it, this is your evidence, and this evidence you can then download, and as Michael uh, correctly said, you can then share it with other individuals for evidentiary purposes, and it plays back in a non-proprietary format. And Michael, is it watermarked? Yeah, it is. So what you're seeing here, Jeff, is that it's a good question, and we get that all the time, because... Uh, people say, oh, I don't see any watermark on there. How do we know the validity of this um, of this video? There's a digital hash code. So this hash code tells us, you know, if that video is altered in any way, then that hash code's not going to match up. And you're going to, that's that hash code allows us to then be able to go back and authenticate. If we are called as a manufacturer of the software to be able to go in and, um, and validate or authenticate video in a criminal case, this digital hash code gives us that ability to go back and authenticate that. And we've, we've been asked to testify uh, numerous times and uh, fortunate for us, the case settles before we actually have to go in and take the stand because no one likes to be in a court, you know, in parts of hearings. So, but because we have that and we can validate that uh, a lot of times that has, once the, um, the uh, defendants have realized that, yep, people from the company are here to validate that. We really don't have a shot because we know what the video is going to show. Well, they usually then settle and we don't have to testify. So. But we are available should that ever be needed. That's correct. So Jeff, if you want to, I guess uh, I'll show a couple quick things uh, within reports. Sure. So I'm going to pull up our reports tab. And then we'll finish off. I'll let Jeff uh, jump into administration here in a minute. But I'm going to take a couple seconds and just show you a couple quick reports. We have uh, a lot of reports. Uh, these reports, as everything in our software, uh, 
you know, our development philosophy is we're working with our end users, we're working with the bar partners. If there's a report that someone wants to see that would make their life easier, whether it's during the installation or the ongoing maintenance or something of the solution or just any kind of report, we want that feedback given to us and we'll create reports um, that will deliver that information accordingly for that particular person. So several of these reports that are in here have come up, um, but also come up from when we were an integrator and we knew, hey, we need certain information. Why do we not have it? Uh, everything in our system is obviously video centric, but we have all kind of applications around that and third party integrations and everything else. But all said and done, we actually are a video management software. So we also want to know the health of everything related to the system. And uh, so that first report just pulling up is the archive status report. So this is a really in-depth uh, report. You're, you'll see here as he makes that a little bit bigger, the name of the camera, the model, the IP address, where is it archiving to, its oldest archive, its newest archive, is it missing any dates? Uh, what do you have the archive span set up for? And then when you get to the end of, at the far side, what you're going to see is uh, retention. So you have your retention set. Looks like we have these cameras set for 20 days of recording. But then you have real-time information. You have a, a motion percentage on that camera. How much storage is it taking per day? How much is needed to meet that retention goal? So you'll notice that 127.61 on that first line. Well, that's 20 times 6.38, but how much is being used? Well, it's exactly you know 6.38 more than that because we're when what we do is you know we're actually saving a full 21 days instead of 20, so that's why it's using exactly 6.38 more. But what Jeff will notice is uh, if he scrolls down to, a little bit further to the right, you'll see some archive locks and you'll see some of these numbers where it's only needs, for example. 3.61 gig uh, to meet that retention, but we're using 29. Or if he, if he scrolls down a little further, I think there's one that's a little bit more, you know, you know. So that one that says 34.16, but we're, that camera is currently using 631 gigs of storage, and that's because that check mark on the end is an archive lock. Uh, I'll have Jeff. He'll he'll touch base on the archive lock and what that feature is. It's a pretty neat feature when he shows a couple things within administration, but I wanted to point that out to you because that will, that explains why some of their, there's missing dates on this report. Um, and Jeff will go into that a little bit more, why, why that would show, you're seeing a lot of missing dates on some of these cameras. And we'll explain what is most likely the cause of that. It's not because there's video um, that the system just wasn't recording. A lot of those missing dates are because of people locking particular video. In, um, in our system, but in it could be system. in a live system where that is a great indicator that there is something anomalous, something that you want to investigate. That's correct. A um, couple other things I'll show here, Jeff, is the uh, if you can click on the access log query report. We don't charge any uh, user licenses for our system because everyone who goes into our system everything is tracked, everything that they're doing. So you'll notice all of the different things that, you know, we're, I've been controlling the screen as though I'm Jeff Kellick today. So you're seeing all of the things Jeff Kellick and I have done um, during this, uh, this live demo. If he scrolls back a couple pages, 
he'll see, I was doing a demonstration with a potential end uh, or VAR partner earlier today, this morning. So you're going to see a lot of uh, M Trask stuff uh, within here from earlier this morning, um, starting around nine o'clock. So there's, there's all, all of that stuff is, is logged in here. We use SQL Server database as our, as our backend database service. So all of that information is stored from the time you've installed the SQL Server uh, database that you use with perspective until you refresh that or put in a whole new instance. But this one, I believe in our Houston office was the database was installed in 2012. So you could search back on results all the way back to 2012. Now it's going to show you the log and all the, all the different things that person was doing, but it may not, obviously video is probably not going to be associated with those events unless you had archived them or extracted them but at least you could still go back and potentially find, you know, hey, maybe you need to find out was, was someone always looking at a particular camera and then you might be able to go back seven, eight years and see, hey, yeah, here's, here's this person. Or they logged in. If you, when you log in, it tells you the IP address that you logged in with and it tells you the browser you were using when you logged in. So all of that information is, can be very useful. And we, once again, we don't um, charge user license fees because we, we want everyone to have their own information so that you can better have an idea of kind of what people are doing within the system. You know, if something gets extracted from your, your VMS and it shows up on social media or in the local news, typically when that happens, it's not for a favor. It doesn't, it's not a favorable thing on <coughs> the company. They're really, they're trying to point something out that uh, was negative about the, the company. So, you know, well, that's obviously a violation of your video use policy. And, you know, you want to be able to go back and track who downloaded and who extracted information. And if you have 10 people or 20 people using guard guard as an ID and a password, well, you really, you haven't done yourself a service. You've, you've done yourself a disservice because now you've limited it to 20 people and just looking at work schedules doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, that that's going to solve your answer either. So there's a lot here. You know, there's, there's many reasons why we, we do it this way. Yeah, that's um, right. Two other quick reports, Jeff, camera snapshot. This is just a quick report that you can, you can take a camera snapshot picture and uh, it's going to grab a snapshot of the cameras that allow you to have a snapshot feed. So you are seeing some here that say no data available. Those are public facing cameras. They allow us to live stream those, but they, they don't us a lot of archive them and they don't allow us to take snapshots of them. So obviously if that snapshot feature stream is not available, it's not going to be able to pull back a snapshot, but this is a great quick report to see, you know, maybe to, to you can export that as a PDF and send it to your, your end user uh, and say, look, here's how we set up all of the cameras. These are the views. These are how we named them. And these are the IP addresses of those cameras. And you can maybe use that as a tool <coughs> for uh, final commissioning and sign off of a system. But more importantly, right now that those penguins are not practicing good social distancing. That's correct. <laughs> those, those, those bad penguins in the Pittsburgh Zoo. Um, the, other, the other thing where this comes in handy though as well, uh, just a short anecdotal story. I had a, a police department and one of the responsibilities for that campus police officer in the morning was to come in he had to open every single one of his, the cameras to make sure that the, the field of view hadn't been changed or it wasn't pointing down at, up in the sky or down at the floor. 
So he was having to open and close every single camera to, to, to view that. And then he was in at the same time, then that allowed him to find out whether or not the camera was online or not. So um, that took an hour for that officer every single morning to do that. You know, they only had like 200 cameras, but it took them like an hour. I mean, an hour to do 200 cameras, is, I guess, fairly fast, but still but that's an hour, hour wasted of their time. Right. So within two quick reports, the camera snapshot, it pulls it in, they see it's online, they see the field of view and they just by scrolling through a couple, you know, a couple, one or two pages of a report, they've been able to validate all that information and they can move on and get started with their day. So in that example, saved that police officer about 58 minutes of their day by simply having a camera snapshot and a also a camera status report. So the other report that shows whether something's online or offline is the camera status report. By default, you'll notice all of the cameras, we have, we're testing tons of different cameras all the time, but the ones that are offline by default show up at the top of that list. So those are just a few reports. There's many reports as you can see as Jeff's expands and, and collapses several of these areas over here on the side. There are a lot of different reports you can run, but um, those are just a few to highlight in today's session. So Jeff, yeah. if you wanna go ahead and take over for the last section, the administration. Yeah, and we'll just wrap up today. And, and again, appreciate, uh, we have a fair number of viewers coming in, appreciate the views coming in. Uh, I'm just gonna touch on administration. And this is, this is really for our integration partners and for our administrative users. Again, everything being self-contained inside of the inside of the application based upon your permissions. I'm logged in as a user here that has permission to all of these items. If I were to log out and log in as a different user, I wouldn't have access to any of these controls. And so I will log in just real quick as a as kind of a, a lower end user in our system. And you notice I have no I have no access to administration, no access to um, and no access to archives even, uh, and I don't even have access to maps. So in this, in viewer, this, what we call command view viewer, this is all they have access to. This is what they think the system is. So it, it really helps you to um, delegate control or delegate permissions appropriately. I'm going to log back in as myself here today so that we can show some of those functions in administration. And, and as I log in, and, and again, this can be done via Active Directory too for single sign-on, as I mentioned. I'm going to jump to administration here. Just as an aside, if you notice when I logged in, it immediately took me to Camera Viewer because that's my profile. That's where I said I wanted to go. So you can always have it go exactly where you want it to go when you log in. Now I'll jump you back to administration. In the administration module, we give you the capability of controlling what users can do based on their group permissions. And permissions can be, uh, can be very granular. And, and we do this for a reason so that uh, you can quickly come in and control what a person can and can't do within the system, not by a hierarchical administration, but by a very specific administration. And so if you wanted to give people a lot of controls, but you didn't want to give them the, the permission to manipulate stores, which you can learn about in our training or an in-depth demo, uh, you can do that right from here. So permissions are very granular, gives you a lot of controls. And as you can see here in our demo system, we have 76 different 
permission groups. So you can go on and on. Michael also mentioned earlier, we do not, um, we do not limit the amount of users that you have in the system. Matter of fact, we encourage you to have everybody as their own individual user so that their actions are recorded what they did within the system. You can even from here see active sessions. I can see a number of users that are logged in to our system right now and from here could kick them right out. So if I didn't like what Michael was doing in the system, I could terminate their access. Terminating access or restricting access to is one thing that we have here on the side panel and this is a permissionable control. This restrict access. This has come up for us. We've had scenarios where there's been active shooter events at campuses and, 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 and three-letter agencies and police departments have asked us to come in and quickly pull people, uh, pull users' access out of the system. When we looked at that, we figured out what's a real quick way that they could do that themselves based on a higher level permission. Uh, we gave them this restrict access function and by clicking that, it immediately knocks everybody out of the system that shouldn't be there and doesn't allow them to log back in until that restriction is lifted. Another feature and function that, that Michael mentioned earlier was something we call archive locks. And I, I'm just going to mention this with a real quick anecdotal story. Uh, there was an assault that happened on a campus at, at some point in our history. And the, the prosecuting attorney came in and said, yes, we can see that assault occurring. You gathered that evidence properly. We've taken that extraction and we're using that today. But we may need to show a pattern of behavior. We may need to show that this particular assailant was stalking other victims beforehand. And so just in case, they very kindly asked the end user, can you retain that video uh, for the past week or so until we ask you to, uh, until, we, until we say that it's okay to let that go? And they said, okay, how many cameras? Just on that camera? They said, oh, no. No, we need to see it on all the cameras across campus. So the end user came to us and said, how do I extract and protect uh, 176 cameras for a period of five days indefinitely? And so we came up with this feature called archive uh, locking. And what archive locking allows you to do is real quickly just create a archive lock. I'll call this assault. And I'll say that we want to we lock from March 2nd uh, until March 13th. We're going to lock those 11 days. And we're going to do it for, you can see all the cameras that I've listed here. I could do it for all of those cameras, or I could just do it for all the cameras maybe at that campus. In this case, I'll do it for all the ones in Briar Park, leaving all of these other ones that I'm not extracting. So just in a couple of seconds, I've just said I'm going to pull video from 11 days uh, for all of these cameras, pull it from being deleted, because that's what we're doing here. We're locking that video from being removed. That way it will not be deleted when new information comes in. And that process not only will save that video, but it will tell you how much video data is being protected. In this case, 896 gig or close to a terabyte of video data is now not going to be overwritten. For those of you in the video space, you know that that's a big deal to know that number because that is the video now that is inaccessible from being stored with new video that comes in. So if you want to retain this video indefinitely as you investigate your, your assault or as it goes to court and adjudication, 
you can now retain this video and if you just add another terabyte into your system, you will have accommodated for that space that's being utilized. Let me say that again. We know that a terabyte of data is now being protected and not being overwritten. So to accommodate for that, you can add another terabyte anywhere within the network system. And because we use an algorithm with what we call archive stores and locations that we can get into at a later time, that terabyte that you add somewhere else on the network can now be used for your video archiving while this terabyte is protected indefinitely, allowing you to go back and investigate it at a later time. And that's really what this is about. It's about buying you time. A lot of people will have a 30-day or a 14-day archive period. The archive lock allows you to protect that video for those cameras that you designate over a longer period of time indefinitely or until once that case has been adjudicated in the example I gave and, the, and the, the administrator was given permission from the prosecuting attorney, they can now go in and delete that archive lock and then allow that space to be reused. Michael showed a report earlier that showed some cameras that had a long span of archives. And that's because you can see here, we have some archive locks that were created uh, in the past. You know, we have one here from the training aspect that was uh, that was from July 15th that we said do not delete. So you have different types of archive locks that exist within your system. Yeah, I, Jeff, I think, go ahead, Mike. That further, uh, you know, getting back to the, the, the use case where why we created this many years ago is that number is important to show you the size, but in that case, they were locking five days or seven days, whatever it was that they, they wanted to uh, have locked from every single camera on campus. And you know, if you've got a university policy and a lot of universities have policies and just or government you know, corporations, they all have this, you know, policies where they need to keep X amount of days worth of video footage. Well, in that case, you know, they had 30 days as a requirement. And once they get past you know, 25 days down the road, 26, 27 days down the road, since it's skipping over that, now they're only going to have 25 days. That's they're not going to have 30 days. And once it gets over and it, it does first in, first out, it deletes all of that other, but it's blocking those five or those seven days, they now know, well, how do we get back up to 30? Well, that number becomes that much more important because it's not a guessing game. It's just a, hey, we locked five terabytes, all right? We it, add a NAS drive, or just if it's a virtual machine, add five more terabytes to that virtual machine. And as long as you have read, write, and delete permissions to that to that um, folder, you can then add it to your storage array within uh, Perspective EMS, and that quickly you're off and running, and you're right back up to where you need to be to meet that. To meet maybe that maybe it's a, a state law or a, you know whatever whatever the policy may be. That's exactly right. And this, just real briefly, this brings back to the a report we didn't show, the store status report. We'll show you all of the storage that you have in use. Uh, the last thing I want to mention and, uh, as, we, as we get ready to sign off here today is I just want to talk about something uh, logical, if you will, and that is workflow logic. And workflow logic for us uh, is if this than that. And the way that we do that, you can see we have a series of workflows here. I'm just going to real quickly bring up the, uh, the ad wizard. A workflow is simply you take a trigger. Maybe that trigger is a soft button, an action button we put on the side panel. Maybe that trigger is when a camera sees motion detection 
or maybe in this case, I'll use when we have the, the main entrance door, when we have an associate event like a uh, door forced open. So when we have a door forced open at that main entrance door, what I want that to be is I want that to be a trigger. And then I want the action to be, I want to take maybe all of those cameras and I want to change the archive configuration. I want to go from 10 frames a second up to 30 frames a second. After all, we are a video management software. So you should be able to affect the video frame rate in your storage. And absolutely, a workflow can handle that for you. Another thing it may do is it may send out an email notification to a user or to a group of users. And with that, it will also send a snapshot of that camera recording that door being forced open, as well as including an archive link so you can pull it up directly on your phone and play that back. Is that the wind blowing it open? Or was that somebody trying to really intrude on the facility and the scenario? And then, you know, there's a series of actions here, but one, another highly prominent one is the user interface. You can change the user interface for a user or group of users based on that trigger event happening. And you can choose what they're gonna see. Maybe we want them navigating automatically to the camera viewer, we want them to go to static view, or we want it to go from that trigger source. So in this case, it's that main entrance door, we want it to go from that trigger source, and we want it to change on their view for a period of time, maybe a minute, maybe 30 seconds, whatever it is, we want it to change their view. And that's really where you get the power of automation. So not only just talking all of this relevant data that you can investigate, that you can view, that you can monitor, but you can automate your system responses. Because when something happens, something critical, a lot of times, we start to, uh, the adrenaline's pumping, we lose idea and we forget what our SOPs, what our standard operating procedures are supposed to be. If you can automate that within the system, do so. Help your staff, help your team members understand what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to be looking out for. It will save time. And when we're talking about security and surveillance, we are always looking, how can we save those critical seconds? How can we get that relevant information to those first responders, to those security operators, to those administrators as fast as possible. And workflows are a great way to do that. We can talk more about workflows on dedicated sessions. We can talk more about all of these features and functions on dedicated demos. I know we went long today, but Michael, I thought we had a great, great discussion there. And I hope we found some real value for our people that participated online. Yeah, hopefully uh, people were uh, were watching on live and, and uh, digesting this information. But as Jeff mentioned at the beginning, we will break this off maybe into separate uh, shorter video clips dedicated to each of the different modules that we talked about. Uh, if anyone, and we'll post those up on uh, our social media, maybe make them available on our website as well or within uh, within our training portal so people can... And YouTube, our YouTube and, channel. Yeah, and our YouTube channel, our Lensec YouTube channel, so that people can digest those maybe in smaller bits and bites of, uh, of information. But uh, I appreciate the time that everyone took today. Uh, I personally would have rather have been in Las Vegas, but due to the circumstances, um, when travel being and the, the uh, pandemic we're dealing with today, uh, this is a very effective way to get information out as well. Yes, thank you very much, everybody. And, and again, don't, don't be shy. Reach out to Michael. He's a very nice man. He'll be happy to schedule a demonstration with you. And, and we look forward to talking with you more.
Thank you.